So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies-to-lovers tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on but when it's like oh we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening it's like very different (laughs) and there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves greek gods and goddesses regency era historical fiction for you sam and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure new content is released every week so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again you can always find something new to explore dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash just break up. Dipsy stories.com slash just break up. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by some of our amazing patrons who support us over on Patreon. We want to thank Lindsay. Thank you so much to Grace. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Abby. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you so much to Kelsey. Thank you to Madison. Thank you, Kamiko. Thank you, Brianna. Thank you, Manuela. Thank you to Rachel. And thank you so much to Liliana. If you would like your name shouted out on one of our episodes, you can support us on Patreon for $10 a month or more. If you support us for $10 a month, you get access to a video stream of us recording the weekly Patreon bonus episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like asking for what you need repeatedly, <laughs> being nonchalant about breaking up, and trusting too much too fast. Before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners nor relationship advice givers. We're just doing this because it's a free-for-all out here on the internet, (laughs) and we're allowed to do whatever we want. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. We don't know what the fuck we're talking about, so please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer our humble musings, hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Sam, 
Guess what? Mm-hmm. What? I forgot to tell you that we were going to talk about this. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> so, Sam, we have to announce that we're going to do our our three-year anniversary show. Yay. Exciting. Yeah, so y'all, Just Break Up is turning three this July. And to celebrate, we're going to do a virtual live show Saturday, July 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern. You can find tickets for that at JustBreakUpPod.com. They're only $5. Um, And uh, it'll be a typical show, but we'll be recorded live um, uh, live streamed through YouTube for you to watch us like fuck up and make each other laugh and probably wear like fancy outfits because it's our anniversary. Uh, and I've been waiting like two weeks to tell you this, Sam. Do you know what the traditional gift is for three year three year anniversary? No. You know how there's those weird traditional. Yeah. I don't. I don't know where that comes it's from. Like mm, wood or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guess what? <laughs> the three year traditional gift is leather. <laughs> Ooh. I know. <laughs> You're going to get me a harness? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I want you to get a f- give me a full body cat suit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can do that. Yeah, so anyway, you're going to hear us talk about that for like the next four weeks because it is like four weeks ago- away. Please come hang out with us. Patreon folks, remember to check out for the free code. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> um <laughs> So that's going to be Saturday, July 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And there's a little surprise. Do you want to tell them, Sam? Yeah. So Sierra is flying out to Minneapolis so that we can do this show together yeah. in person for the first time since, since... since February of 2020. Yeah. I haven't right? seen like you it was since when, then. Yeah. It was when Spencer and I came to New York. And that was like... A billion years was, ago. <laughs> yeah. That was for the February, the, the Valentine's Day live yeah, show in yeah. Brooklyn. So, Which was so long ago. <laughs> I know. And Sam and I, when we started re- recording remotely, like prior to quarantine, when I moved, we d- we definitely, you know, we we do our best on Zoom and obviously we've adapted to it, but there's nothing like the magic of being in the room together. Mm-hmm. So we're so excited to, I mean, I'm just fucking excited to see my friend again, um, but so yeah. excited to be in the same room um, and we're recording it in a, or we're live streaming it from like a fancy ass studio with potentially more than one camera angle. So this is going to be Ooh. like a high production event, not just like Zoom. A Zoom <laughs> recording. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, that's going to be our anniversary show, three-year anniversary, um, July 10th. Get a ticket now, to, uh, com. Great. All right, so let's get into our check-in topic. Today's check-in topic comes from a letter writer who called themselves a bag of mixed emotion, writing to us from the void. And essentially, the foundation of the question is, you know, they were, they ended a relationship, um, and now the ex, like, moved on dated Mm -hmm. a person or two and uh they feel like they that he walked away guilt-free with no repercussions and she has all of these problems and um you know trauma and things to unpack from the the relationship before she can find a new person to fall in love with and so the question is in essence how do you navigate the jealousy of your ex being able to find new love so easily how can I not be a terrible hypocrite for the anger I feel that he seems so happy? So, mm-hmm. Sam, how do you feel about your exes moving on and sometimes moving on like faster than you? I think that it's really hard yeah, <laughs> like, it to like sucks. see that happen. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking sucks. <laughs> I think that you're not alone in this mixed bag of emotions, right? Like, I think that there's 
even not even in my experience, right, where I've seen exes move on and been like, oh, why Gross. didn't it, why didn't Gross. that work with us? <laughs> right? Like, was I the problem? Which I I love that you asked that in the, the letter too of like, well, if he's moving on, then that means that I must have been the problem, which right. is like <laughs> <laughs> the assumption that you that have the baggage thinking. and they don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like you caused the problems in your relationship. Um, even in my experience, I've felt that too, but also just like observing it from people around me too, of like people who've gotten divorced and then it's like, they're really terrible to their ex until suddenly they have a new relationship. And then like, everyone's like, okay, we're all good. We're, mm. we're all like, we're figuring it out. Right. Because I think that people understandably are like really jealous of the fact that this person that they dated and that didn't work out is like finding a way to make it work out with somebody else. Like, well, yeah, that seems like a very human emotion or like dare a very I say, human response. Dare I to say it. logical? Like, we know that it's yeah. not, but like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, here, the, this is the equation. He's moved on and is happy. I'm not. I'm struggling. I'm unpacking all this shit. So, d- isn't the most logical thing is that I, like I'm mm-hmm. the fucked up one. And fuck him for being so happy, you know. That's where emotions can get so tricky because it's like they are they are real at the same time that they are not real, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like your your emotion, your your response to this is valid and justified, and and like I said, it it, it makes sense. It's logical, but at the t- same time, we have to talk to what we have to talk sense into our emotions. Um, almost mm-hmm. like parenting them, like, yes, that might feel that way. Um, but we know universally that this is not true, you know, or mm-hmm. or or however we feel it. Honestly, my biggest piece of advice to this, and something I wish like I had read on Instagram when I was hurting years ago, <laughs> what mm-hmm. is like in this moment, I think I think the best thing to do is is feel it and but but don't live by it, you know, feel it, but don't let it become your identity. Let it, let those feelings right. pass through you. Validate those feelings. Yeah. It's, it hurts. It, it feels like he, he moved on with no consequences and, and no repercussions. Yeah. That, that hurts. And also I don't want to live by that. I don't want to live, um, or move on and, and, and think that the universe has this tally systems of like checks and balances that and punishes certain people and doesn't punish others or like that this means that I am the broken one that's it's it's hard because they're that's what are what is on paper you know what I mean it's just one of those Mm -hmm. instances where we have to negate um the truth that we're feeling while also validating it like this is why fucking (laughs) emotional shit is so hard yeah, no, that's that's absolutely real. Um, and I think sometimes our like logical, like our emotional logic, like can make sense, but it's not actually real too, yes. right? Like it's yes. like absolutely everything about this makes sense. Like, oh, if you so if you was so able to move on, then I must have been the thing that was wrong. But but like remember, relationships are almost entirely about compatibility. Right? Yes, it is. It's. It's not like there's a good person and a bad person, although that does exist sometimes, right? Right. But it's like, you're just a square peg and he's a round (laughs) hole and he found other round pegs that fit better. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you're bad for being a square peg. It just means you need to find a person who's a square hole, right? Like, it's just like... Living for this. Go ahead. (laughs) Right? But the idea of like... But the, the thing that we tell ourselves is like, oh, I must have been the problem. Let me and it's shave like, no, down you were my just, edges. 
Yeah, right? And it's just like, no, you weren't a problem because there's nothing inherently bad with being this type of way. It's just different than the way that he is being. Right. And that means that you weren't meant for each other. And good for him that he found someone who was more able to do that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you're broken or that there's something wrong with you. It just means that you weren't compatible and now he found somebody who he's more compatible with, and, as you will, too. Yeah, and it's okay for you to say good for him in a shitty way for, like, six months, you know? <laughs> you do not have to, you that, do not have to be graceful about this. Yeah, like, I don't and, know, I don't know why we decided that, that, like, grace is about not feeling emotions about other people's things. Like, that's not it. Well, Showing I, grace is about, like, not going on his Instagram and, like, trolling him about <laughs> it, right? Like, but... <laughs> You're not a good or bad person for having an emotion about this. You're just having an emotion. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I, I, oh my God. So stay off the fucking internet about this topic. Cause you know, when I prep, I, I like Google things <laughs> to get inspiration. The internet was like, there are so many bad articles that are like, your ex is dating someone to make you feel bad because he's a manipulative, shallow piece of shit. Who's not dealing with his trauma. And I just was like, whoa, 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 internet. Sure. Maybe, <laughs> but also the mantra for me is this has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It, it is not. A, this is not a reflection of my relationship with this person. This is not a reflection of how lovable I am, how much it, you know, like this is not a reflection of how valuable I am in that he could get over me. So quote unquote fast, you know, this is not about me. This is not about me. And furthermore, in terms of healing healing from relationships the internet was also like there are shallow people who like to run from their problems and then just move on um and then you're staying in your trauma and you're like dealing with it and you're obviously not a shallow person and i was like internet you (laughs) are incorrect um there's no there should be we no comparison right there's no right or wrong way in getting over things and i know i know i know all we do is sit here and talk about the right and wrong way to to get over things so (laughs) so like take that take that knowing that i'm saying a general statement that like we cannot compare how we grieve and move on to the way that another person grieves and move moves on from the same relationship because even though it, you were in partnership together, you two had two different relationships, right? You were processing yep. the relationship one way in your reality and they were processing it in their reality, right? And so that mm-hmm. means the way you grieve and the way you move on from that heartbreak is not gonna, it's not gonna match. There's no comparison. Absolutely. And also like how he's handling this breakup is like none of your business. <laughs> like, there's just oh, like- shit. <laughs> It's not, a, it's not about you. Yes. Like, that's my mantra. And I, it's not and about I don't, me. Exactly. And I don't mean to say that to like make you feel bad. That's something that I have to remind myself too about other people's business. It's just like, <laughs> why am I taking on other people's shit for them? Oh my God. Like, I don't, it's not, the it's realist. not helping me. It's not helping them. So like. The realist. Fuck that. Like, go live your life. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally. Honestly, sometimes. Totally. Totally. What if you were like, I don't mean that in a mean way. What if we were like, I mean that in a mean way. Like, <laughs> like I don't think I could, I don't think I did ever say that, but it just made me think that. Anyway, so yeah. You want to get into our letters? Let's do it. But I mean, like, fuck right. those exes, but it's not about me. <laughs> that is just, that's it. We don't have to do this podcast anymore. Just fuck those exes and it's not about me. Like, that's all you need. All right, guys. <laughs> It's been fun. It's been real for three years. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This letter is from Amelia M., who is writing from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I have a check-in topic 
for you. Turns out we're not going to do it as a check on topic. (laughs) 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 What are your thoughts on balancing? If they wanted to, they would with you have to ask for what you want and need. Say that again, because that's like the crutch of it. It's just the, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) What are your thoughts on balancing? If they wanted to, they would with you have to ask for what you want and need. Mm. Mm. Here's some context of where this question is coming from. I'm a 21-year-old woman, and I've been with this guy on and off for over two years now. And a lot of our issues at the start of our relationship came from us not communicating our expectations with each other and what we wanted from the relationship, leading to a lot of miscommunication, mismatched love languages, etc. Since then, I've really made an effort to tell him what I need to feel loved and secure in our relationship. A huge one for me is steady communication, especially since we've often been long distance and currently are long distance because of COVID. He was historically not great at returning texts, texting me first, making the effort to schedule calls, and that made me feel insecure and like the relationship was one-sided. When I bring this up to him, he'll make an effort for a while, and then it'll stop and I'll have to bring it up again. And it's the same thing with other examples, like me asking to spend more intentional and undistracted time together. It's started to feel like I constantly have to ask him to treat me in a certain way and constantly ask him to put effort into our Mm. relationship. I'm beginning to feel like I'm forcing him into doing things that he doesn't want to be doing or care about doing. I've heard the, if they wanted to, they would piece of advice before. And I'm starting to feel like maybe he just doesn't want to. Where is the line between healthy communication of our standards, wants, and needs, and your partner just not not wanting to or being able to love you and show mm. up for you? Mm. Also, I love you both so very much, and I'm incredibly thankful for the podcast you or the amazing work you do. You've helped me in so many impactful ways. I am so grateful that I found your podcast during a very difficult period in my life. I feel like it has made me much more patient and kind and has helped me improve all of the relationships Aww. in my life. Well, thank you, Amelia. Um This is a great question. (laughs) (laughs) So let's first talk about the idea. If they wanted to, they would. Do you, Mm -hmm. like, how do how does that sit with you? There's a part of me that, like, wants to reject that outright. (laughs) Where it's like, because it feels like that trope of, like, that sitcom couple where the woman is like, wash the dishes. And the man is like. Is like, oh, I'll wash the dishes. And then she's like, I don't want you to wash the dishes. I want you to want to wash the dishes. And then it's <laughs> is this like, this how you think straight relationships exist? <laughs> yes. 100%. This is what's in my mind's eye. You are literally. a product it's like, of, so, of, of, of sitcoms. That's so funny. Honestly, it's well, like no, everything is everybody really. loves Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that is what I picture, like King of Queens or something. Yeah. Um. So, like, part of me is like, wants to reject it because it feels like it's in sort of this like weird like sexist narrative trope around like men women are naggy and like men are hapless idiots who don't know how to be in relationship mm-hmm. which like we know is not true and i think that it is also kind of true that like you get to a point where you just don't if your partner doesn't want to show you love in the way that you want to be shown love then like trying to force it isn't yeah. fun <clears throat> like it's not it just doesn't work yeah i agree I I think I feel similarly that like at a at different points in my life the phrase if they wanted to they would 
would deeply, deeply impact my decision making, you know, mm, would be like mm-hmm. a light bulb moment. Like, you know what? That's true. I'm going to stop putting my energy and effort in here, searching for that 100 percent, waiting for that 100 percent. And I'm just going to accept that this 30 percent is their 100 percent. And if they wanted to, they would. So peace the fuck out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I know that it like you said it becomes it become you start wondering if this is a compatibility thing you know i think mm-hmm. s- something that's interesting in this letter too is that i i like to think about you know how uniquely different we are from 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 one another and you know especially in relationships especially in our attachments and our love languages and our communication style and our vulnerability discomfort comfort levels levels um i wonder where is this okay this is what i'm trying to say so for me when, when i read this letter i am reminded of my own attachment style my anxious attachment style that needs that needs a lot right which is okay we've learned that that's okay and i'm learning to accept that about myself but um, mm-hmm. a way that I am hard on myself, but also holding me accountable is like asking myself, is is this something I truly need or is it's a manifestation of my anxious nervousness and I'm, and I'm creating this need. So there's, I don't necessarily think this is the case, Amelia, but you've been in relationship with this person for two years. Um, I, what I'm wondering is where, is there a possibility to find that sense of stability or that sense of love in other ways, you know, or, or like, I don't want to come off. Like I'm not pro this guy. I don't, I don't, I have no feelings about this relationship, but this, this popped up because of my own experience of like, of, of creating an anxious need or a hole because of my own internal nervousness. Do you know what I mean? And not because of my partner's actions or inactions. Does that make sense? I feel mm-hmm. I feel a little uncomfortable because I I guess more more importantly than that I I I agree with what Sam first said is that like it gets tiring asking for what you want and is this a compatibility thing like you have every right to say I need you to text me back like I feel like that's a pretty simple fucking request you know also yeah. this is not a new relationship is there I guess yeah, I don't know. Help me out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that you hold yourself accountable for your attachment style in ways like that every day. I don't. All day. <laughs> Literally. Right? In ways that, like, I think are perfectly, like, normal for you to ask your partner to do. So I feel like that that is also true here. Like, I don't think that the asks that you're having are unreasonable. Right. right? Like, if you were like, I want him to never look at another woman, right. I would be like, that one's not, that one's right. not, ex- like, that's, that's too far. Like, that's not what, what's happening here. But, like, that's, you're just asking him to text. You're asking him to show more effort in ways that you can see and hear. And that's okay, right? It's, you know, it's okay for us to say to people, I give and receive love in this way, right? I know that you feel that you love me when you do these things for me. And asking them to meet us there, it's not unreasonable for us to ask have those expectations of people, right? And it's also not unreasonable for him to be like, I don't know how to do that well, right? It, Maybe that's what I want to get to at to. Sorry. And thanks for making me sound a little bit more eloquent. Because <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I I think I like take it out on, I take it out on myself and other anxiously 
attached things. Which um, is what anxiously attached people do. So, <laughs> hey, hey, girlfriend. Um, Just lean into it. Lean into that trope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally, it is me. Um, but I, what I'm wondering is, yeah, just is this incompatibility? Because this, mm-hmm. this is, is this him not trying or is this him working with the tools and, and the approaches that he has that he feels most comfortable with? And so that's why that connects to what I was saying before of like, you know, love languages, attachment styles, communication styles, trying to match up with your partner only works to a point because if you right. are incompatible, if you do not, if you're working with this, the different tools, if you're working with different uh, opposing realities, it's just, it, it's at one point, one or the other or both partners are going to feel inauthentic, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe exactly. I'm digging yeah. way it's too like, deep into this and maybe it's just like she, her asks are not that complicated. <laughs> so maybe I should just no, validate I- her. <laughs> No, for sure. I think it's I think it's legit. It's it's like asking your partner to write with their non-dominant hand. Mm. Right? Like it's like yeah, they can do it. They might not do it super well and also probably they're going to go back to that dominant hand after a while because like excellent writing with your analogy. non-dominant hand is Ex- like really excellent uncomfortable. Excellent analogy, especially about the 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 fallback into your like the letter writer writes, you know, mm-hmm. he'll he'll be good at it for a while and then he'll it'll feel like he stops making an effort. That is the most human way to explain why sometimes in these incompatibilities that aren't like toxic or outright hurtful, they're hard to make changes because it's about yep. comfortability. It's about like uh yeah, our, our own preferences. Continue sorry. For to sure. No, absolutely. And there's and which is to say that like there's nothing wrong with you wanting to receive love in a certain way and there's nothing wrong with his inability or not yeah. wanting to do it in a in that way, right? And wanting to do it in a different way. And what you can work on in this is like trying to meet each other where you're at, which it sounds like that's what you've been working on. And it sounds like that might not be working super well. Yes. But you can always push yourself to be like, okay, well, what other what are other ways that he's showing up for me? What how might he be communicating love in ways that I might not be seeing? Right. You can do that work together separately. And you can also say, like, it's not it's not unreasonable for you to say, I want to be with someone who is going to show me love in this way because that's how I receive it. And that's really important to me. And you're not doing that for me anymore. Yes. Right. Like it's okay to say that, right? There's the there's no judgment involved in I, any of those things, right? We The only thing that we get into trouble with is if we say that there's only one right way to do things, because that's not true. We know that that's not true. But it is okay to say your right way of doing things for you is different than the way that I do it, and they're not compatible. They're just not working out. And go show that love that you that I'm having trouble seeing to other people who are going to be more receptive to it. I'm going to find someone who's going to put the effort into texting me back, texting me first, scheduling calls. And you're just not that person, right? Yeah, and, and that's, that's okay. You're not a bad it's person. Okay. There's, you're not a bad person. He's not a bad person. It's just two people who are experiencing their love and affection for each other in ways that they that aren't comfortable or that don't fit what they want or what they need. And it's okay to say that that's not yeah. how you want to live your life. And I it's think- okay for him to also say like, I'm trying yeah. and I just am not comfortable doing this. Like there's... It's this is just one of those situations uh-huh. where it's like there's no villain, there's no victim here. It's just two people who are trying to work things out and there's just like incompatibility of how you all want to show up in this relationship. 
Yeah. And I think Sam touched on like my action item I want to leave you with is that it sounds like you're talking about this, you're asking about this, but maybe you can further the conversation, further the vulnerability and intimacy by asking him, like, are you comfortable texting more? Like what, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the way that you want to show up and how is it in contrast to what I'm asking from you? Um, because I want to meet you in the middle, but I also keep feeling like I'm asking for something and it's, and it's not getting returned to me. I feel like I'm putting in mm-hmm. the emotional label labor. So I just want to know, like, what are your expectations? What are your modes of operation that I might not be seeing or assuming, you know? Get, yes. Yep. I want him to talk and tell you about his preferences and then we'll see where this leaves, leaves you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Ask him questions about like, how are you, what are you, like, how are you showing up for me in ways that I might not be seeing or in places where you, you're, I might be missing. Right. Right. And, and have a real conversation about that so that you can either change the way that you're perceiving it and say like, okay, he's not texting back immediately, but he's doing this thing, which is how he's trying to show me love. Or again, it's yeah. totally okay for you to say, like, you're not showing up in the way that I want you to show up consistently. And I know it's not it's not your preferred way of doing things. And also, I need to be with someone whose preferred way of doing things matches more yeah. closely with mine. Yeah, I think that's it right there. All right, my darling, thank you so much for listening and for writing to us. We hope that this helps. Absolutely. We love you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like 
premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling-lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter is from the anonymous who is writing to us from the void. Dear Sam and Sierra. First of all, hi, I've been a JVU listener since 2019, and I recommend your show to basically everyone I know. Your humble musings have pushed me to become more thoughtful about how I approach relationships, and I can't express how grateful I am for your wisdom, kindness, and vulnerability. Well, thanks. So let's get into it. I have a good, true love with my partner, Z, 26, he, him, for the last two years. He is loving, attentive, and communicative, and I've never felt more held with anyone else. We moved in together right before the pandemic and have both been working from home in our small apartment ever since. Despite the challenges, we've been able to weather the time together because we're committed to open communication and I've learned how to respond to each other's needs. Coming from an emotionally neglectful family, I was not taught to be open about my feelings and desires, but Z has shown me what it's like to have even the ugliest and most shameful parts of my heart be fully known and accepted. That's so sweet. I love him so, so much. As I'm writing this, Z is laying next to me in our bed, asleep, cradling our cat that we adopted together. When I tell you I'm in deep, y'all, I am in deep. (laughs) That's how I imagine they wrote it. Uh Uh-huh. I have lived in the same sleepy city my entire life, nearly 24 years. For as long as I can remember, I've wanted to see the world and live outside of the United States. Z and I often daydream together about selling our worldly possessions and heading out to wherever the fuck to start fresh. However, as two 20-somethings with hardly any disposable income, this never felt actually attainable until somewhat recently I am in grad school and recently attended a lecture from someone in my field who was able to move to England for work because apparently there is a critical shortage of workers for our training over there. The process for transferring qualifications and obtaining work visas seems exhilarating, achievable, and in the weeks since learning about this opportunity, I have been doing my own research and becoming more and more excited. I had brought up this idea with uh, for a few times with Z, but he always seemed to talk about it like it was one of our hypothetical daydreams and not an actual potential plan for our lives. Last night, I brought up this move again and specifically asked how we felt about moving across the ocean with me. Boy, was I unprepared for his answer. He said that even though he wants to live abroad, he doesn't feel like he can leave his career that he started here, nor does he feel right about, quote, abandoning his mother, who lives in a different state from us already, for the record. 
He said that he doesn't want this to stop me from going, but when I asked if he would be open to a long-distance relationship, he didn't seem into the idea. He said that I should be able to experience that life without being, quote, tied to anything, and basically said that it would be okay for us to break up in the case that I wanted to live abroad. This completely blindsided me. By the end of our conversation, I was sobbing hysterically because I felt like he was telling me that our relationship was not a priority. We have a life together, a dog, a cat, a shared lease, and a years of beautiful memories. So it was very painful to hear that he would rather go give it all up than to come with me on an amazing adventure. He reassured me that he wasn't going to leave me anytime soon. But for the first time in our relationship, I don't feel like we are on solid ground or even the same page. So this is where I'm stuck. How can someone who loves me as much as I love him be so nonchalant about the idea of us breaking up? How do I choose between my career and my life aspirations and the truest, sweetest love I've ever known? I'm not trying to operate from a scarcity mindset, but I really don't think that I am. I'm not worried about never finding someone else again. I just want to keep what I have found already. I can and probably will have to wait a few years to make this move happen, but I don't want to go my entire life without taking this leap. I also hate the feeling that our love suddenly has an expiration date. Is there any way I can negotiate with this with Z without asking him to abandon his career and family? Do I just need to leave this issue the fuck alone for now? Any insight or advice would be greatly appreciated. All my love, V. Oh, my darling V. <laughs> uh, so this letter like stood out to me specifically because it's one of those like terrible instances where you ask someone a question and you're like totally unprepared for the answer. Like you <laughs> asked them, you asked them, you were like, you invited this chaos into your life. And then their answer just fucking, it's like they tell you something you didn't want to hear and how <laughs> how immobilizing that can be emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And I can think of a few instances, particularly in relationships. It's like, you know, you ask them like, are you happy with us? And then, you know, that leads to a breakup and you just go back and think <laughs> if you didn't fucking ask, if you didn't open that can of worms, you know? So Absolutely. yeah, I, I feel, I feel for you V. I honestly love you V. I also very much identify with Z too <laughs> with your boyfriend <laughs> where it's like somebody asks you a question and you give them an answer that's like sort of stable, painfully <laughs> rational and like painfully logical. That's the perfect and way then, to put it is painfully rational. And for us emotional folks, like no fucking yep. way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, as a type five, people ask me a question and I'm like, yeah, I mean, obviously everyone could die and it would be really awful. And people are like, what? And I'm like, oh, sorry. I didn't mean for, I, that's not an emotional thing. That's just like a statement yeah, of fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, uh, okay, all right, let's unpack it a little because that's Sam's right. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it would be very painful to break up. But I will say this. We live in a world that tells us to value love and romance above all else, but that's not mm -hmm. necessarily true. That yep. adventure, our careers, fulfillment, um, those things are all equally as valuable to the uh, richness of our life as a romantic partnership. Yep. 
unfortunately. Yeah, and, and this is coming from like a hopeless romantic who is <laughs> deeply emotional and would literally probably start breaking dishes if my ex said what they said to you. <laughs> Legit. Legit, right? And I, yeah, I have had that experience. No broken dishes, but of like, I say something. <laughs> like, I know that experience of being like, oh, wow, this is a, I'm realizing that like, I need to take other people's <laughs> emotions into had, account. My words had yeah, impact. Yeah, my words have impact. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, And also, right, too, your relationship sounds amazing. It sounds fantastic and Healthy. beautiful and wonderful. It sounds like a really good, good love. And the fact that he's recognizing that relationships are the product of circumstance and timing doesn't mean that he's diminishing the love that you have. Yes. Right? Saying things like, yeah, in this hypothetical world that we're talking about in a few years where you are living in England, our relationship is going to fundamentally change in a way that it doesn't feel sustainable. That does not mean that I don't still love you and still want this relationship to work out, right? Yes. And at the same time, want to validate that that can be a very hard thing to think about and a hard thing to hear, right? Like he's approaching this situation in sort of that cool, painful rationality doesn't diminish the fact that also there are a number of emotions that are tied up in this and that your emotional response to it to him saying that is absolutely 100% valid. Like, both of you, again, there's no villain, there's no victim in this story. It is just two people trying to figure out how to be in relationship with each other, despite the fact that they have different understandings of that relationship at the same time. Yes. Uh, uh, and I, no, no, yes. <laughs> we just keep anding each other. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, period. This is not an and, because it's not in contradiction. This is, this is me and Sierra fighting, y'all. This is what it looks like. <laughs> No, it's not. I, I take back that and I love that you're saying that. <laughs> That's hysterical. But I don't I totally fucking agree with you. The and I was going to say there is just I'm trying to picture how I would move throughout the world if my significant other said something to me like that. And sure. it 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 feels like um it's not the same thing at all. I'm not I'm not making this direct comparison, but like if there's an infidelity or like a lie, that's something that might, mm -hmm. that makes you question the fabric of your relationship. It feels like one of those moments that you have to then, you have to like, just keep, you either have to ignore, he, you know, process and heal from, or, or let it permanently affect, you know, like, I don't think you should break up over this comment. I think what Sam said is 100% true that he is coming at this with a painfully logical response, um, but it doesn't make his love diminished. It doesn't even make his future love diminished because the future doesn't exist yet. It doesn't exist yet. Right. You, you know, like you're, right. you, you two are exploring the idea of what a future could look like. And he has a different vision than you. That doesn't mean he doesn't mm -hmm. love you. Um, yeah. Yes. But, yep. So I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to brainstorm right now sitting in my body. Like what would I, it would, I, I guess I just am empathizing with you, V, that it would be, my anxiety would spike and I would want to obsess over this. It, I would want to let it tell me those lies that my partner doesn't love me and that we're mm -hmm. doomed and that this is another one of those instances, the comparison instances that like, because he responded this way and I, you know, even the line, how can someone who I love, who, who loves me as much as I love him be so nonchalant? That's not what's happening here. That's what right. our our emotions are telling us. And again, we're looking at the mm -hmm. paper and we're saying like, this is obviously it because this is the equation, but that's not real. I mean, 
a lot of what we said in the check-in topic can be applied here. Um, mm -hmm. So how would I move through this? It, I don't know if this is going to be very helpful, <laughs> but I have learned over the last couple of years that, that sometimes moving through something or healing from something or processing it or whatever doesn't look like doing all of that emotional labor. It just looks like accepting it. Like, what if you just accepted that he said that and that it doesn't mean more than it meant than he means? It doesn't mean less than it. But you just mm -hmm. said he said that and I'm going to choose to stay present and in love instead of living in the anxiety riddled fantasy of what that could have meant. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yep. So my partner said, you know, it's like, it's like any other time I, I have to accept something about my partner that I don't necessarily, that I didn't love or enjoy, like, it's like when somebody, you know, your, you, your partner wrongs you, but maybe not even in a huge way, you have to live with the reality that your partner has the capacity to hurt you. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's, yep. that's an, that's an yeah. everyday thing that we live with every day. This just is a yep. very pointed, uh, blatant example of that instead of just like a disagreement or whatever for so. sure yeah it seems like like he said the thing that we're not supposed to say in relationships which is that like we could break up right like oh my God, terrifying like, how dare you <laughs> <laughs> exactly right like he he spoke the, the thing that we're all supposed to like know but not talk about anymore wow, right like he, he broke so that big taboo <laughs> damn and, and I think we're what's fighting. A, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm fighting so with myself clever. in this That's one. So um, and I think, I think what has happened here is that you've unearthed an incompatibility in this relationship that's really painful to have like out in the open, right? That like before st it is still existed, you just didn't know about it, and and now you know that it's happening. Which is like really, really challenging. And it means that you two are going to have to have really complicated and difficult conversations about what your future is going to look like if you have different visions of what you want your futures to be. Yeah. And that's that's hard. That sucks. That's really a challenging thing to do. But your your partner didn't do this to you. Right. Like he didn't. He didn't inflict this on you. This is something that this this incompatibility always existed. You just brought it out into the light and now you have to figure out how to do it together. And I think if you can divorce sort of what he said and how he did it from the fact that you need to grapple with this incompatibility, take a little bit of like the blame out of it. It might help you to be able to have a, a really good conversation about like whether or not this relationship is sustainable if you both have different visions for the future. Yeah. And that sucks. It just like it just sucks that this incompatibility exists and that you thought that it, everything was hunky dory and then it was like, nope, here's this very different future about the uh, the future of our relationship that we are having. And now we have to like figure out what to do with that. Yeah. I totally agree. And I also, I don't think that this is a, I don't think this is a structural incom incompatibility, meaning, and I don't mean that you can like manipulate or trick him into moving to England with you, but like, <laughs> I think that this is going to be an ongoing conversation for at least the next three to six months or maybe a couple of years, you know, and you're going to see yeah. how, how firm he is in this, in this Dis disagreement or 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 whatever um because 
there's a lot of ways that this could go, you know, after lots of, like Sam said, difficult, vulnerable conversations, you could discover that he does want to move. He just feels guilty about it. And he has to like process that guilt or mm-hmm. he feels insecure about leaving his job. And like, are, are there ways I, I still see endless possibilities in terms of like, maybe he starts feeling confident about changing his job or, or may, things can change period. Personal no, I think you should go, <laughs> but that's just because I have a good feeling about it. I love the way you talk about it. I love how exhilarated you feel. And sometimes we have to make difficult decisions to like mm-hmm. put ourselves in uncomfortable new situations that help us grow and become the authentic person we're meant to be, you know? For and sure. yeah, when that time comes, you know that you can, that sometimes good relationships end in the pursuit of other things and that's okay. Absolutely. But I don't, yep. I don't, I, I don't, I don't see this being, like I said, a structural, structural, um, incompatibility yet. I don't know how, how firm he is in this. Um, or you too, you know, this is all very new and now it feels desperate and imminent because he said these very terrifying words to you, but it's not like you said, there, it, this is like Sam said, it has always been, been here it's just been revealed and now you're going to explore it what does this compatibility look like how flexible is it how uh, malleable um and and you'll take it from there Mm -hmm. absolutely right because i think it's important to remember too that even though this feels concrete to you it might still feel really hypothetical to him too and if peter came to me and said hey in a couple of years i'm thinking that i'm going to move to england i would be like okay well i don't want to do that So I guess we would have to figure out what our relationship looks like and we might have to break up then. But then when the actual happening of it, like when he's like, cool, I'm applying for this visa. Like, let's have a real discussion about what our life in England could look like together. That's a very different conversation than here's something that might happen in a couple of years that I'm thinking about. That's a great, great example. And I might have a very different response as a really intensely rational head person to that conversation than I would to one that's just like, in a couple of years, this might happen, as opposed to, hey, I'm doing these things to make this happen, and now we have to have a conversation about if we stay together, given this what's happening here, I would respond to it differently, because yes. then it, would be, it wouldn't be hypothetical anymore. It would be very real and be much more personal and emotional for me. I'm so glad you shared that, because it put your point of view in this letter, like into practice. Like now I, Mm -hmm. I empathize with every single motion that you would do in that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. way more cool. Thanks. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right, my darling, thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this very tricky situation. We hope this helps. Absolutely. We love you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Our third and final letter comes from Nine of Swords, who is writing from the world. Hi, Sam and Sierra. This could get pretty heavy, so I want to start by saying that I am okay. I am in a good, loving, and safe space now. I also want to put a trigger warning for mentions of past sexual assault and the trauma that comes from that. Please don't feel pressured to talk about or even read this if you're uncomfortable or if it's too much. It's not too much, Nine of Swords. You are not too much of a person for anyone. (laughs) My first relationship was an abusive one that lasted three years. He would gaslight me, cheat on me, and force me into doing things that I didn't want to do. I was entirely convinced he was the kindest and most genuine person on earth, and I was the manipulative one for being hurt and thus making him feel guilt. Hmm. When that finally ended, ended, I was diagnosed with PTSD and took a semester off from uni because I literally could not set foot on campus without having a massive panic attack in the fear of running into him and or his friends. I stopped going to events and gigs in the scenes I was active in and lost touch with a lot of people. It took me a while to heal and move forward from that, but I really, what I really want to talk about is how after I built the courage to go back to uni and rebuild relationships with friends, something similar happened. I began to trust and truly appreciate a friend who made me feel heard and safe, who mm. listened to my trauma and promised to protect me, but he ended up assaulting me when I was drunk. Logically, I know it's not my fault, and I would never blame someone in my shoes, but it really But it gets really hard to convince myself sometimes because both of these people had my full love and trust. Maybe I just trust too easily or I always trust the wrong people. Retrospect makes me feel so dumb and naive. Mm. But in those pockets of time, I genuinely couldn't believe them to be capable of that. They were both extremely manipulative, gaslighting me into blaming myself. I have since healed so much from that and am surrounded by such love and support. I'm happy where I am. But even then, it's hard to shake the fear that I'm always going to trust the Mm. wrong people, that I'm going to trust too much and too fast that I invite this kind of thing into my life. The most jarring realization I had in my darkest moments was that one big traumatic event wasn't going to exempt me from other big traumatic Mm. events. Oh my God, yes. Right? Now I always fear it's going to happen again, no matter how much I try to heal and build and protect myself. And because of this, I fear I am never going to be able to open up healthily to a significant other. And maybe it's better if I never try. My question is this. Do you think it's possible to heal my relationship with the concept of trust? How do I trust people again? How do I trust myself after all of this? Thank you so much for everything you do for so many people. I wish you guys all the love and happiness the world has to give. Oh, thank you so much for writing Nine of Swords and for trusting us with this. I feel (laughs) just so deeply moved by this. Um, And I think that you described that situation when Sam and I were just fucking talking about this off air before we started recording. One of those situations, and they can look different all the time, but one of those situations where you in your own emotional intelligence know the truth, like, like for example, you, Knight of Swords, knows that it's not your fault and you're not to blame, but it, the voices in our heads, our guilt, our emotions 
are so hard on ourselves that it's it mm. is one of those situations that it is just hard to unpack. You know, like it's literally hard to feel because you're feeling all of these confusing, hurtful, contradicting things. Like it's just hard to feel so, you know, to feel angry and disappointed and hurt and betrayed and also like empathetic to yourself, compassionate to yourself, you know, like they feel at odds. And it's just, it's one of these situations where um, I I just say this to say that there's, there's nothing simple about what's going on in your brain right now. So Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, first and foremost, like forgive yourself for even having those nasty thoughts, forgive yourself for, 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 you know, having those contradicting feelings about, fault and blame and guilt and anger, you know, like you're feeling like a tornado of things right now. And of course it's hard to like reach through that tornado and find compassion for yourself. You should do it. <laughs> Absolutely. We should all do it, but that doesn't mean it's not hard. It's it's complicated and confusing. And um, I just want to like start with that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that this letter is really hard because um, one of the things that comes up for me is so not personal, right? Like, it's so hard to, you know, to to read letters like this and see the ways in which um, our society, you know, puts all of these things into us in such ways mm. that they become so deeply ingrained. I see, right? I see. Like, like, it's just... It's hard to read this because it's like, it's just, you know, the the society that we exist in wants to tell us that our vulnerability is a weakness, right? Yes. That our vulnerability makes us stupid or dumb or too trusting, right? As opposed to saying instead, it's not about the vulnerability that's the issue here. It's about the people who who prey on that vulnerability, yes. right? Yes. Like it's it's. We should be talking about that and not saying to people or saying to ourselves, like, oh, I trusted too much too soon. Right. Like, but that's just the society that we live in. Like, and there are reasons for it. And that's what's so frustrating about it is like, yeah, we want to, we want to create this system of like everyone, everyone is so individualized. It's your fault if you mm. display vulnerability, right? As opposed to talking about the bigger systems of issues that are coming down. That are not your faults. That are not. It's not your fault for trusting people. Like that's what's so frustrating about this is like the fact that you are willing to trust people is of strength. It's a beautiful thing about you. I wish that we existed in a world where people were yeah. more willing and able to trust other people. I wish that we lived in a world where vulnerability was seen as a strength, was seen as being something that is like we should all be working towards. And the fact that what you are taking away from the situation is that you are somehow broken or at fault yeah. for the fact that you s- displayed vulnerability with people is just really, it's really hard to hear. And I don't mean that in a way that to make you feel bad, right? I'm not trying to say like, right. oh, God, Nine of Swords, think differently. I'm the Lamenting. place where my anger mm-hmm. and my 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 passion are around is the fact that we live in a world that teaches you to think that. Right, that we live in a world that teaches all of us to think that, and that's not a world that I want to live in. It, it's just it's so frustrating for me to 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 hear about this experience, and understandably 
have like under totally understand why you would say, Mm -hmm. I think I trust people too fast and too soon. Like, yeah, that would be my first response too. And that's not the response. Like that that's you're not to blame for any part of this, for any aspect of what happened to you. And the fact that you trust people too much too soon is a lovely, wonderful thing about you. It, and it's I not love too people much too who trust soon. people. <laughs> it's right? not it's, too much it's too It's a great amount. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. It is, it, is, it is natural to trust. It is unnatural to be, like, uh, uh, abuse that trust. You know what I mean? Yes. That is the unnatural yeah. thing happening here. Um, and I think, I thought that was beautiful, Sam. <laughs> First of all, good job. Thank you. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, we learned to to not trust the idea of trust from those who 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 taught us that, who who hurt us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I guess what I would tell myself in this is that trust is is an idea. Trust is a concept. Trust is a is a human. Um, emotion, an entity, whatever we want to call it. Trust is not defined by mistrust or by the people who abuse trust, right? Mm. That is not what trust is. Trust didn't hurt you. Abusive people hurt you, right? Right. Um, and we can, we, we learn to not tr- trust ourselves. Sorry, I'm using that word again, but we, so we learn, <laughs> you know, mistrust, abuse, of our trust is learned. We learn from from people's behavior towards us that trusting them is not safe. We that's mm-hmm. a learned behavior, but you can unlearn it, right? And mm-hmm. and that that lesson that we learned that like we can't trust people or that we trust people too easily is not a lesson in trust. It is not um it is not it does not define trust. That's that's not what trust is, right? That's mm-hmm. what abuse is, right? So we're right. talking about yep. abuse here. So the question, I do love your question, how can I heal my relationship with trust? I think you can start to heal it by recognizing that trust isn't what hurt you. Trust right. isn't what put you in those situations. Fucking yep. shitty people did, right? And right. that trust is 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 not only a strength, it is, it is your inherent right as a human, right? That trust is a strength. It's something beautiful. It leads us to connection, right? That's not trust's fault. And it's definitely, definitely not your fault. I think trusting yourself, healing that relationship with trust, healing your relationship with your own trust of yourself begins at forgiving yourself, honoring your experiences, your desires, your emotions, even if it was those yep. things that led you to that hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. The, even if you loved him, that doesn't mean your love, your desires, your trust is what hurt you. He yeah. hurt you. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. That's that's exactly that's exactly right. Um, you did not invite this into your life by being too trusting. These people perpetrated this thing on you, right? Like it's. And I think that's what's so hard about it, right? Because you, you say this in the letter, the, the the jarring realization of the fact that like your one big traumatic event isn't going to exempt you from other big traumatic events is so real. Oh my God, I have, and I, I have felt I, that. I, yeah, I wish I could tell you that it's it's different. I wish I could tell you that like, oh, yep, you have the one big bad it's thing. It's a punch and card. You learn to not, <laughs> right, you learn to not trust people anymore. You learn, you always, you develop this sixth sense 
of knowing what people are up to, what their motivations are all the time, and you're able to like protect yourself and control everything around you. That's not that's not how it works. And if that is if that's your goal, if that's what you're working towards, I want you to find something different to work towards because it's not that's not attainable. You you are never going to walk through the world and know immediately who who's an asshole and who's not an asshole, right? Honestly, I'm like I'm seriously experiencing this right now in my life where I have like a friend who I am having a lot of issues with where it's just like looking back on the relationship and being like we've been friends for so long and it's just now that I'm like I I don't know how to even move forward with this because there are parts of you that I'm seeing now that I didn't know existed mm. or that I like or I wasn't paying enough attention to. And we've been friends for for years, like years and years and years and it's just I wish that I could say like, yeah, we we if you work hard enough, you're going to develop a really acute sense of who's trustworthy and who's not trustworthy. Right. But that's just not how the world works. We're all humans. We're all messy. And and no matter how much effort we put into trying to control other people and know other people immediately and what their motivations are, we just can't. We can't do that. And I think if we can get to a point where we spend more time figuring out what it means to be in a world that is uncontrollable rather than trying to control wow, it. Wow, wow, wow. Right? Then then that is actually going to serve us better than putting than throwing ourselves against a wall saying I need things to be different. I need things to be different. I need things to be different. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's there's so much internal I was going to say internal labor, but it's 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 abuse. It's abusive. The hoops that our brain jumps through to remind us that we're broken, that things are our fault, that we are, we have a deficit. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I wish uh, this is going to sound really <laughs> like hippie, but I wish we felt more reverence for ourselves. Like, like we're like, we are holy, imperfect beings, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Even when these terrible things happen to us, um, we never deserved them. We never asked for them. We never earned them. And we are capable of still accessing those those holy things like trust, trust and uh, empathy and vulnerability. It, it, I hate that the world makes us feel as though those things are inaccessible or or gone or running low or or hard to get to you know because how many times have we had our heart broken and thought i'm never going to be able to feel good again i'm never going to trust anyone again i am never i'm ne- uh i don't want to open myself up to these th- things again um, it's just, it's just complicated to be a human, I think is what I'm in eloquently getting to at. Um, but nine of swords, um, I hope if we haven't already like thrown our bodies over the nail head, I was trying to like make a reference to like hitting the head on mm. hitting the nail on the head. We haven't already like slammed our bodies into the head of the nail. (laughs) Um, We want you to know that um, that this did not happen because you were too trusting this. Mm -hmm. This and 
future hurt is not going to be prevented by you uh, being too, tr- too not trusting anyone, you know, like by you, yep. let me say that better. Yep. Sorry. By closing yourself off from the world, that is not going to prevent you from being hurt again. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that to sound depressing as Sam reiterated earlier. Like, I don't mean that to sound ominous, but I'm, there is a path to connection and there's a path to hurt and they're the same, they're the same fucking path, you know, <laughs> but, but not everybody out there is a fucking abuser. Not everybody out there is going right. to overstep your boundaries and take advantage of you and gaslight you. Right. Um, and trust, I'll say it again. Trust is a lot easier with trustworthy people. However, yep. last, last thing I want to touch on is, is the, I, I am attracted to untrustworthy people inner monologue, right? I just trust too mm-hmm. easily. Blah, 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 blah. Again, that turns it on ourselves to say like, oh my God, um, it's my fault that I didn't see these red flags or that I was drawn to these abusive people. There is some truth to you get better at, at recognizing who is a yep. safe space for you and who isn't. And unfortunately, none of us are born with like instruction manuals for how to deal with mm-hmm. psychopaths and how to be, de- be like a good person. We don't have, we, we're making it up as we go along, but you will mm-hmm. get better at figuring out who is a safe space for you and who isn't. It's about, you know, being transparent about your healing, about asking what you need, you know, strengthening those muscles of, of boundaries. And, um, yeah, but I, I wish I could tell you you, that life isn't going to hurt again, but I, I can't, I can definitely tell you though, that the next time it hurts, it wasn't your fault. And it wasn't because you like opened yourself to it. Right. It's because Mm -hmm. that's, that's life. You deserve connection and and love and a trustworthy fucking partner, you know, put it on them. That's, that's the last thing. Put it on them. They fucking did this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's so interesting to me how our, our minds are so conditioned to, to really take on what other people do to us as if it is something that we asked for. And that's, that's not true. Right. Which isn't to say that you can't, do exactly what Sierra was talking about of like develop develop ways of discerning and seeing more problematic behaviors earlier on, right? But also it's not your like those problematic behaviors shouldn't exist in the first place. They're not your fault. They're not your fault yeah. for like seeing them or not seeing them, right? It's the it's the problematic behaviors that are the issue here. Right. And, and in a world of either or in a world of black and white, it's hard for us to understand and talk about some of those nuances while also remembering the fact, because it's like, well, it's either my fault or it's not my fault. And it's like, yeah, no, it's just not your fault. And there are things that we can be doing differently, right? At the same time. Right, right. And like, what I want to say to you is that like, know that you're not broken for feeling and thinking these things. Know that you're not broken for these things happening to you, having happened to you. Um, you are just grappling with the complexities and nuance of what it means to be a human, what it means to be in relationship with other people. And that's really complicated and it sucks and it's hard because there are no really clear, hard and fast re- uh, answers to things. But at the same time, this isn't your fault. You didn't ask for this. The the problematic right. behaviors are the problematic behaviors' fault. The perpetrator's fault, right? The your abuse is not your fault. It's your abuser's fault, and and that's really what I want you to take home from this is that like you are a beautiful, wonderful creature for trusting people, 
Yes. And I want more of you in the world. I want hmm. more of you. I want, I just want us all to be able to trust in the way that you do. And um, I don't want that to be diminished by the fact that these, that these awful people hurt you and that, yeah. and that they're so hurt and broken that they felt that they needed to do that to you. Yeah, that's it. All right, my darling, thank you so much for writing. Um, we obviously, we love you so much. We do. Thank you so much. We hope this helps. All right, everyone, that brings us to the blind date segment of this episode. This is when we try and cite you up with something that we think you're really going to like. And this week, our blind date is... Okay, so it's the second season of a Netflix show made from a podcast. It's called Dirty John. Have you listened to it mm. or watched it? Yeah, I listened to the podcast. Okay, so the second season, so they made it into a Netflix show. The podcast is good. It's like a perfect example of like a gaslighting sociopath and somebody who really, really wants to be loved. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the second season is like Dirty John, semicolon, Betty, the Betty Broderick story. Mm. And I got so sucked into this fucking Netflix show. <laughs> and I feel a lot of feelings about it. So... Mm-hmm. I just so so some of the bullet point feelings are I thought it was superbly acted. I thought Amanda Pete did such a good job and it's Christian Slater who is aging really well even though he looks mm-hmm. he still looks like a psychopath but like like a hot <laughs> older psychopath now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um and so it's really well acted. Uh I love seeing older uh, actors like Amanda Pete, who's 49, just like killing it and getting those roles. Um, but it, it's a sense, it's a true story about the, um, Betty Broderick, like her life and her, her husband and their divorce and some crazy things that happen afterwards. But mm-hmm. it did a really fantastic, I found it so fucking compelling because, um, there are like mental health issues going on some obsession, compulsive thoughts going on. There's gaslighting. There's infidelity. Uh, it, I I feel complex about it because the story is complex. It's not a co- cookie cutter yeah. story of like, you know, the husband cheated and the wife was uh, the victim. You know, it's it's <laughs> just like a complex story. And, um, you know, there are some serious ill doings in it. Um, so I'm not on anybody's side, but I thought they did in a really amazing job. Um, I thought of just break up right away watching it because they did a really amazing job sort of illustrating the nuance and complexity of things like gaslighting of, um, how it can make you question your reality. Um, Mm -hmm. also, but on, on like the wife's, you know, the husband was a gaslighter. The wife became, became obsessed and had like obsessive compulsive, uh, like jealousy and um, compulsive thoughts and um, and just literally couldn't control. I, I, I'm stumbling because I have like so many feelings about it and because it was, it was just one of those complicated stories, but I just thought they did a really great job talking about it. I think I thought it was like a really great Netflix series. So it's the second season. I mean, the first season's good too. I just thought the story was so much the, the second season story versus the first season was just so much more um, nuanced and complicated. And um, 
I I just really thoroughly enjoyed it. So it's the story of Betty Broderick. It's um, the Dirty John season two, um, but you can find it on Netflix. Watch it. You'll love it, Sam. No, I I love the Betty Broderick story. I mean, I don't love it because like it's awful. Yes, I know exactly. Yeah, (laughs) content warning. Like there's murder, right? So there's death in this and violence. Um, It was just it. They did a really good job because I you didn't I didn't think either characters were good. You know what I mean? Um, But they were, Mm -hmm. there was just a lot of conflicting emotions and it just painted the picture of, of how, how, how things get so fucking tangled in interpersonal relationships when we don't have the right tools, when we don't have the right resources, when we have, when we're doing what we've been taught because of our trauma responses, you know, Mm -hmm. I just thought it was like 10 times smarter than it appeared on the surface. So there you go. That's great. And Amanda P did so good. Oh, that's great. Did yeah, go ahead. they talk about like the media response to it and like all of that too? Because like that's its own story that is So wild. they did a little. Um, so they they go into the trial a little, but probably okay. not as much, maybe only one or two episodes focus. It was more about the building of the relationship and the ultimate crime and you know, so but they, it unfolds okay. in a really creative way too. So uh, I also like, I thought the first episode was like, okay, cool. I think I know where this going. Cause I was going, cause I didn't know the Betty Broderick story. And then I watched the second episode and I was like, oh, so this is way more complicated than I thought it was. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, anyway, 20 minute, uh, blind date recommendation, but I've been waiting <laughs> to talk to Sam about it because it was just, it was just really well done. Um, yeah, check it out. Yeah, I should watch it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our live show happening Saturday, July 10th. Please remember to hit that subscribe button so that you get an your episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash just break up pod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend, Spencer Worth Davis. Check out his music on Spotify under the name big cats and Remember, you are learning to trust your intuition again or maybe the first time. And that that takes time. It's it's a long process. You are learning to be vulnerable with other people again, to submit yourself to the possibility of pain. And that's that's scary. Be easy on yourself. But right now, your heart is opening and swelling with possibility because of this bravery. And one day you will be able to trust others and yourself again. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>